I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My name is Jane. My name's Kurt. And this is Major Look, a podcast where we make each other watch an episode of one of our favourite TV shows and then try and work out why we love the things that we love. And gearing up towards the end of the year, this is one of our bonus episodes. Yes, bonus episodes. So just really quickly, um, this is bonus part one, which means that we only have one more episode left until we go on hiatus for a little while. Um, and then we will be back sometime in January. I'll let you know what date next week when I remember to get the information up in front of me. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so this is our second last episode until we go on break. Mm-hmm. And in the spirit of the end of the year of related holidays... holidays uh, we are doing holiday specials of some of our favourite TV shows over the next two days. But hopefully not the usual type of holiday kind of episodes you're used to. Well, I mean, depending on who you are. That's very true. We just decided that we'd uh, try and kind of step outside of our own comfort zone this time, um, do something a little bit different, and therefore the holidays we're going to be discussing are not your standard Christian holidays, a.k.a. Christmas. I mean, like, Christmas in itself is a commercial holiday mostly in terms of the economics that we have going on to the people who celebrate it. Well, it's based in Christianity. Yes, like, it we, is based we, in Christianity and you've got the pagan history behind it in terms of all that. that. That's too much information to get into, really. I mean, you could talk a little bit about the pagan history behind it, but really it's all been subsumed by exactly. colonial Christians. Um, and therefore we are all culturally Christian, regardless of whether or not we actually believe in the faith. Uh, you know, I fully admit that me being probably the most atheistic person that I know, um, (laughs) is culturally Christian. Yes. So that's why we're, that's why we're trying to do something a little bit different. Um, obviously, um, not everybody is, Mm -hmm. and it's not fair that our entire culture should be completely directed in that way. And when we decided this, uh, looking for the episodes, uh, while at first a couple of standouts were quite easy, or the obvious uh, choices that we had that come to mind, granted, um, as Jane says, we have been raised culturally Christian in a very Christmas-dominated kind of of Mm -hmm. end-of-year environment, Uh, but just looking on Wikipedia in terms of the amount of television shows that have had Christmas-themed episodes in accordance to when we were trying to find other episodes of other shows celebrating a different holiday towards that time of year. Staggering. I mean... It's not surprising. Uh, were you surprised? <laughs> no. I sure wasn't. I mean, I was just hoping that the divide wasn't that monstrous. I'm sorry. I I absolutely knew it would be that monstrous. It's, you know... I mean, again, because, you know, I was raised in a very um, standard Christian household, hmm. um, celebrating Christmas while, you know, we did the whole uh, standard Christmas tree thing and the Christmas presents and Santa... Um, we also very much put a big focus on the actual religion base behind it. Mm. But that's how I grew up, and I was exposed to those sort of things. So 
part of me was still hoping there was more of this stuff out there that just I wasn't exposed to, that just never switched on the telly in my side of the woods. Unfortunately, this is one instance where your sheltered childhood is not <laughs> responsible for the lack of <laughs> exposure to other cultural experiences. It's just the way that the dominant culture in our particular society is. And where my kind of upbringing is considered much more normal, I suppose. Uh, I mean, maybe. Eh, I, I mean, your upbringing probably isn't as unusual as it can be. As it, like, there are a lot of Christians in the world. That's true. I just uh, the fact ha- that you're Pentecostal Christian is probably the, the part that makes it a little bit more mm. unusual. Smoke um, machines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a Halloween party the other night, and every time I see a smoke machine or like laser lights in a music concert, my first thought is like at a Hillsong conference or with, you know, Julia. No, can't even remember. All the um, female preachers in my head have been replaced by now female politicians. Uh, but yeah, I think. <laughs> Joyce think... Meyer, that was her name. Sorry, the evangelistical name drop does not carry much weight. No, not with me. I'm <laughs> like, how huh, sorry? Who now? I just had to get there in my brain. I used to get up every single Sunday morning at 6 a.m. and watch Joyce Meyer with my gran or videotape it for her if she didn't get up early enough. Great. Yeah. That sounds like a real fun time. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, stepping away from Kurt's Pentecostal upbringing, um, would you like to tell me what show you made me watch this week? This week, I made you watch The Nanny. She was walking in a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens, till her boyfriend kicked her out in one of those crushing scenes. Excellent. And so The Nanny is obviously uh, kind of well known for being a show that has... Um, a Jewish main character and a lot of Very Jewish influence. And with the family and mm-hmm. those kind of um, um, phrases even. Just in the first episode, I kind of was thrown back. When I was looking into the episodes I was going to give you, um, I actually picked one that's not at all celebrated this time of year, but just so to make up for our standard amount of uh, TV that we generally give each other for these podcast episodes, I was like, got to make it up with two episodes mm. because they're only a TV half hour. So your first episode was actually regarding the Passover, and the second episode was actually relating to Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Hanukkah. Hanukkah. There's actually two, diff- two or three different ways of spelling it. Yes. I did, when I did some research on the other show that we're going to do, um, the one of the articles that I read was like, and we are going to firmly, uh, we what did they say? We thoroughly disagree with the spelling, so we're going to ignore it and spell it the proper way. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 In terms of how many H's, K's or C's are used. Correct. Um, but anyway, um, one thing uh, that basically, I'm not really going to go much into the show context of the episode when I get to that point, because it's all said there in the opening title theme song. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> It's the nanny. Um, <laughs> if you I, missed out on the nanny because you're too young, it's kind of like the sound of music. But again, you would have missed that if you were even younger. It's kind of like the sound of music? Well, I didn't realise how much it was heavily inspired by the sound of music. Don't look at me like that. I didn't realise. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't consider it to be remotely similar to The Sound of Music, other than the fact that there's a woman who comes into a very strict household as to become a nanny. and With the husband of a widower and then involves in a romantic... I mean, every TV show ever in the 90s had a, a handsome male widower. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I suppose. Uh, but when <laughs> I was doing my research in terms of the production history of the show, because the, the show's star, Fran Drescher, actually is also the show's producer. 
Um, she co-created it along with her husband, Peter Mark Jacobson. Uh, and it actually, uh, they've cre- been credited to say that they were inspired by the sound of music okay, in right. terms of creating the pilot and the concept for the show. Instead sure. of her being in Austria. Yes. Yes. Got that one right. Um, she's from New Jersey. <laughs> yes. Um, wait, is she from Queens? Which I'm guessing is still in that kind of ballpark area. I'm not really versed. It's all on, kind of outer New York-y. Just part of the New York state, but necessarily part of New York City. Yeah, so not on, not in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think I think New Jersey's a little bit further out than um, Queens is. I think Queens is just across the bridge near Brooklyn. Yes, because every single Spider-Man game I played uh, that has been sometimes been held up to speed with its accuracy for the actual laying out of mm. New York City. Peter's hometown is in his Aunt May's place in Queens, which is just over the bridge. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's where I'm getting my knowledge for this. I, I did, in fact, go to New York very briefly on my holiday, but I was there for like two days yeah. and I never managed to get across any of the bridges. I can't imagine you would want to really leave Manhattan if you're only there for two days. I really want to go to Brooklyn. Oh, yeah? Brooklyn is like... Very hip now. Okay. I mean, some people say that's bad because gentrification. Um, and I'm not opposed to that particular viewpoint. It probably is bad because gentrification. But also, it's meant to be very cool. Okay. Um, um, but, I mean, anyway, uh, this show uh, went on for, let me see, how many years was it? Uh, about ten? Just under ten. Nine years. Mm-hmm. And, um, Sounds about right to me. Uh, it uh, went on for uh, six seasons for a total of 146 episodes. It was definitely one of those shows uh, that was an after-school special kind of thing. Although I guess it started probably played more later in the day in terms of like more like the five to six o'clock market. I can't remember what it was like when it was first on. Definitely uh, yeah, not it, that it relevant. Was probably like more of a, a night show. I think like it was probably show. like a 7 p.m. show yeah. when it was first on, but I think a lot of our exposure will have been in reruns, which yes, was, which on, was more on at 4 o'clock yeah, in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, so um, the episodes, uh, as I mentioned, that I gave to um, Jane. Um, so basically there's only, even though they're set two seasons apart, the the show moves very slowly in terms of the overall plot line of the will they, won't they between the nanny and Mr. Sheffield. Um, so in, even into season four, episode 21, which is the first episode I gave her of the past over story. Uh, and then in season six, episode 10 of the Hanukkah story, there's not a lot that had changed. Uh, but ultimately it was just kind of a little bit in terms of the fact of where Miss Fran and Mr. Sheffield were in their relationship. And then all of a sudden they were married with twins on the way. And Margaret being at a later stage of high school, basically. Yeah, well, she was um, applying for colleges in the first one, right? And yeah. then in the second one, she was obviously... Already been at college. Already been at college or D- Did not college because she's an heiress. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, they just kind of... They, they've finally gotten together by that second episode. And also the surprise, will they, won't they? Although I guess not probably a surprise to maybe Jane, if she was very critically aware, even when she was watching The Nanny, of Cece and Niles. Did you ever think they were going to get together? I honestly can't remember what my opinions were of The Nanny when I was younger. <laughs> I remember liking Cece and Niles, like their like antagonistic relationship. I think I was annoyed that they got together. Like it just kind of seemed like the show was just pairing people off. Yeah, I think I remember being like, no, 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 they were funnier when they weren't together. Yeah. Or they were like, 
Uh, it probably the co- the comedy probably did work slightly better when it was just sharp stabs as opposed to a stab and then a kiss on the cheek because it was a good stab. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, I mean, looking at it now, I'm kind of slightly disturbed by that kind of stab stab kiss. Type oh yes, yes, yes. It's like it's a little bit of you're the worst territory yeah, in terms like, of probably not a healthy relationship for no, either. No. Yeah, but I don't remember thinking. I don't know. I can't remember why I didn't like it. I think I, you know me. I've never been into romance, so yeah. I was like, it's enough that you've got, you know, Fran and Max Maxwell, 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 Mister Sheffield, um, together. Like, fine, but like, oh, more like kissing, lovey doveyness. Absolutely not. Get that shit out of here. But um, what I did find interesting is that I've been actually watching so many more episodes of this show. Um, just as a result of getting back into this. And even my housemates have started watching the show, like, kind of from the beginning or at different points. But it's just, like, I was constantly surprised by the little other plot lines that the kids have going on in their story, that Gracie's been seeing a therapist for years. I mean, that's that's right from the beginning. I don't even know that they really followed that I up I think they on. just petered that off as the storyline went on. Yeah. As she got older, they just had the grew out of it. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it does. But it was never a major plot line or anything no, it was like always that. No, it was a joke. Yes, but it just kept going. It was a long-running joke. Yes. Um, to be honest, watching these two episodes, I was surprised by how unfunny I found it. You didn't enjoy it? I, I didn't... I wasn't laughing at any of the jokes, which is surpri- genuinely surprising to me because I feel like I always really loved The Nanny, but I was not particularly taken by it this time around. I'm worried I'm looking at it through much the the, the lens of nostalgia mm. because even when I was watching it with my housemates and other people, um, so not just myself, I was still laughing and they were laughing as well. Yeah. We were having a good old time. But maybe it's something you kind of enjoy more around the family with maybe. people. Maybe. I mean, I, think, I feel like perhaps if they had been episodes that I remembered, I may have enjoyed them more because I would have had that nostalgia attached to it. But because these were episodes that I don't really remember... I didn't. I didn't feel. I don't know. I was. I was hearing the jokes basically for the first time, and I didn't really find them funny. Mm-hmm. I'm not really too sure why. I just. They weren't. They just weren't funny. The thing is, they're not the most masterful jokes, but they're not dumb jokes either. Some of them are. That's it. That's all. I, I, <laughs> sorry, you're waiting for me to say something. I was just ex- reacting. Okay. I don't know. I think they may have been kind of dumb jokes. I, I guess maybe because of what's coming up next week, I put the, the I don't know, the bar lower? The bar isn't low. I feel like I laughed more in next week's show than I did in this one. Definitely not. But I guess that's what we're going to try and figure out in these two <laughs> weeks of podcast, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. So were you, were you a big fan of the nanny? It was always something that was on in TV. Was there somewhere else in your family that kind of was into it more or your parents or anything else like that? I mean, I was definitely the the closest to being the right generation to watch it. Right. So this show came out in what? 1992. Two? Yeah. Okay. So I definitely would have seen it in reruns then. Um, I was only two at the time. But I feel like the rest of my sisters probably were a little old for yeah. it by the time we were watching it as yeah. a family. Um, and I do remember enjoying it. Um, I feel like it was one of those shows that we would, I would try and make sure I caught when it was on. Mm. I was never devastated if I missed The Nanny. Yeah, but it was like, it was a fun time. Yeah, it would be like, oh, quick, can we change the channel? Because I know The Nanny's on. Yeah. Um, and then that would end up being an argument because, you know, 
one TV, four girls. What the fuck are you going to do about <laughs> yes, that? Yes, yes, Plus, you know, two parents. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it as a kid. I really did. But I don't know, something about it. I think it, maybe the jokes were all a bit one note. I think in this, like, I mean, like, some of the jokes are a bit one note. That is a majority of the jokes. But I think in these holiday episodes, they may have been probably not the best jokes that I've heard of the show. Yeah. Um, because I, I definitely like I didn't like rewatch over these um, uh, Jewish themed holiday episodes. I just like started watching all episodes left, right, and center, and just picking out ones mm-hmm. um, because it's on stand. I'm just like, oh, I can just pick whatever I want. Don't have to wait for it to load. It's nice and easy. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was really weird, uh, like figuring out, uh, like you know, even though a much more simplistic version of the show and also that is based as a sitcom as well probably targeted a slightly different audience market um it i just had a similar experience to when i would watch gilmore girls episodes again because i would be like picking up on there were so many jokes in an episode um that there were ones that i would have missed or would have gone out of my head i mean there's a laugh track you yeah miss a joke yeah but you don't necessarily know what it means especially if you're four yeah. to eight years old yeah and i would realize there were probably times where both of my parents probably looked at each other and realized they got a joke but we didn't get the joke because it was i mean i definitely understood more watching this now than i did as a kid and i wonder if maybe that's why i find it less funny um you think not getting jokes works better I think that not understanding the subtlety of some of the jokes means that, like, I used to think that the joke was just a Fran and her mother eat a lot. Yeah. Which in and of itself I found really problematic as a joke. And now I know that it's actually a cultural joke about people who are Jewish. And I think I find it less funny because of that, because I'm like, ah. And it's tricky because I know... That this was, like, some of the first big times it was getting a lot of exposure for that kind no of... I, I just mean I know that um, that Fran Drescher herself being an executive producer on the show yeah. probably um, perhaps a lot of this stuff is coming from a place of truth mm. um, and and kind of the ability to laugh at your own culture but I don't belong to that culture so, so I don't... for like audiences to be laughing at that culture yeah I'm like feels I feel a bit like I'm laughing at Jewish people mm. Um, and I, I feel a little bit uncomfortable about that. And I feel, and I'm, that's what I mean. I'm really conflicted. Cause I'm like, is the fact that it's created by Jewish people giving me permission to find this stuff funny? Or should I still be kind of like, that's a joke for you guys. And you guys can find it funny because there's truth in it for you. But for me to find it funny is problematic. That's so, like I know this is a podcast and we try to be intellectual. Um but that's so much to like try and consider when just figuring out if you like the joke or not in an ep- in like a joke a show that has so many episodes. Did you you must have felt so withdrawn from actually the experience of watching the show itself. I guess like it's a light breathy show. It's nothing serious. It's nothing yeah. to who's super heavy invested in. You know, it's all like a, a level of heightened reality. It's it's not meant to be incredibly realistic. No. But it does have 
I mean, like, they're more few and far between in terms of heartfelt moments. But, I, I like, in the first season especially, I was just noticing so many beautiful moments between what that Fran has with the kids mm. and how much that... The emphasis that I think I got out of it a lot is just, like, me being the youngest out of everyone. Of course, I would relate to Gracie quite a bit as a sh- in the show when it was happening. But also because of the relationship that Fran had with Gracie in terms of, you know, losing a mother, not really having a mother that she really remembers and having someone actually step into that role, even though it's in an employment circumstance, there's genuine love and care there. She's not just doing it for the money. She enjoys the fact that she has to stay in a mansion with a gorgeous widower, but she falls in love with the kids and looks after them as if they were her own. And so that kind of dynamic and heartfelt moments can really shine through, but they're not in every single episode. Yeah. I mean... I, I remember loving that part of it as well, kind of seeing the... Um, I think I also really liked Gracie, but I always had a tendency to attach to the youngest character in a yeah, TV show yeah, yeah. Um, because, much like you, I was the youngest in my family. So, you know, that's just pretty standard. Um, and I, I do remember loving the relationship and also the funnier parts of those relationships as well where, you know... Um, she may like hug them and go, oh, I love you so much. And then something else would happen and she'd like drop the kids or, you know, like <laughs> whatever it may be. Yeah, because it's slapstick comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I do remember loving all of that. I felt that there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't a lot of that particularly no, in, these episodes. in these episodes. And there was a little bit with it around Maggie. But um, as as I think we can talk about shortly when we kind of get more into the specifics of each episode mm. and the parts that we didn't, didn't like, um, I felt like all the stuff with Maggie was so tied into um, the stuff with that other character, Morgan? Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was like, it's not real. I mean, they're purporting that it's really about Maggie and not about Morgan. But I'm like, really, it's about Morgan. Yeah. Um, and feeling inferior to her. Um, and feeling like you're losing somebody to somebody who's more superior to you. It's all really... It wasn't really focused around Maggie and her relationship with Fran at all, I didn't feel. So, I mean, those heartfelt kind of sweeter moments, um, I remember liking. Um, and I wish there'd been more of them in these episodes. But that's okay. Like, it wasn't necessarily about those. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Um, uh, and, and I think that the, the tricky part about any kind of um, holiday-themed TV show or episode of a TV show is that you have to try and balance out what your characters normally do and are like around um, an extra theme that isn't really inherent to your show. Yes, and especially if it's bringing people from a different uh, class into a different household, celebrating different culture, different meals, um, you're already putting them in a fish-out-of-water situation. Mm. Um, So you don't have the same old standbys you can rely on, but then they just kind of convert Niles being directly into his previous role, which could be considered not the best treatment of a character. Yeah, I mean, it's extremely classist. I mean, it's just really interesting watching stuff from the 90s now because I'm like, oh, that's so problematic. Um, And I know it's funny, Except I didn't really find it funny. Okay, so I was like, "Stop treating the yeah." Niles I was like, his, better. "Like his joke was funny in terms of I can't remember which holiday it was, and I wouldn't be able to pronounce it properly even if I tried." Um, but he says, "Good luck having me over for so and so." It was Passover. No, no, no. But he was basically saying to Sylvia, oh, "Good right. luck having me over for the next Jewish holiday yeah, yeah, because yeah. I'm not coming." Yeah. I think that maybe because, um, you know, I've had ex-boyfriends who are Jewish and when I watch shows with Jewish characters on them with strong parodies of those kind of caricatures, 
that they start laughing so much because they're like, that's just like my mother or that's just like auntie so-and-so or that's hilarious because this is what it's actually like and I don't get to see this on TV. Mm. That that probably made me laugh along with them and then find some more of those jokes funnier. And that's when I started looking into actually like, you know, a Jewish reporter, free uh, catalog magazine outside of Woolies because I happen to be living in a Jewish area of Melbourne. And that alongside the kosher aisles in the section, I can learn about what the meaning of Hanukkah is hmm. for free. Yeah, I mean, that's... But yeah, maybe that's one of the reasons why I could... F- I didn't see as much of a PC problem with it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure if that's me being ignorant or me... No, like... I, I don't necessarily think that this is a... Because, yeah, you mentioned the point that you, one of the, the co-producers of the show, leads of the show, is of that heritage. Yeah. And it's coming from a place of truth, but it's also heightened a lot in the comedy, with regardless of what culture it would be, they'd be poking that amount of fun at themselves anyway. Yeah, I'm really torn about it. And I don't But I get where you're coming from. I completely do. Yeah, I also get where you're coming from. Like I don't necessarily I don't necessarily think that it's inherently problematic to laugh at the nanny. But I I didn't feel comfortable doing it. And I'm not 100% sure if that's coming from, I mean, maybe maybe I just inherently didn't find the jokes funny. I mean, part of, part of that is... You, your sense of humour would have changed in the past 15 years or so. Absolutely. Um, and, and whether or not this show would be made now in the same way is another way, is another question. Um, the question of, uh, you know, perhaps back then... For for Fran Drescher, she was like, I'm happy to poke fun at certain things because at least we're having representation. Yeah. Whereas perhaps now that may be a little bit different. They may handled a bit more carefully. They may like to go like, actually, let's be a little bit more, yeah, a little bit more careful about the way that we present these things um, just because the world is a little bit different and the world is a little bit scarier now, you know? Um, Nazis are back. Like, you know, it's it's a little bit harder, I think, now to stand there and make fun of another culture, another religion um, that is in danger of um, perhaps being persecuted again. Yeah, and, you know, with the genuine increases in various levels of racism all across the world. Totally. You know, it is definitely a concern. But, I mean, it's so bizarre because, I mean, like, this conversation is something that you and I have had in a number of different ways about uh-huh. a number of different yeah. issues and things and like that. And we struggle because we're both white. So <laughs> please come and tell me if we're wrong. But, as I was about <laughs> to say, one of those cases being, you know, at what level is it okay to make fun of gays again in terms of them being villainized or them not being represented? Which or is another problem behavior. with Niles, in my opinion, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just happy to have any sort of exposure of characters on television, whether they were made fun of or not. Mm. And generally, the first steps of them being exposed on television was in a lighthearted show like The Nanny, yeah. where they would be po- poked fun of. Yeah. Nowadays, if that kind of happens, it's done in a more like, but look, they're just like everybody else kind of way in, in this kind of show targeted towards more of a family um, audience. And so it is really bizarre thinking about it in that capacity because in the 90s, I would have killed anything to just have more representative totally. of LGBTQIA plus people anywhere, no matter what level of comedy was being poked fun at it. Yeah. Um, so it is, it is an interesting line to be drawn in terms of just like trying to figure out where the line is drawn? Yeah, totally. And and again, it, it it's not be, definitive. It could be that everything about this is fine and I'm just being overly cautious. But it's nice but, that you're trying. <laughs> I know, but I mean the other question is like uh I don't know, like 
the, I could have found the jokes funny and also recognised they could prob- potentially be problematic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't even find them funny. No, none of and them? And I, I, mm, I don't think I laughed once. That's another question, I think. Why didn't I find the joke funny? I think it's because... I think part of it is because it's the same joke. Mm-hmm. Again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I'm sitting here trying to work out what part of a joke is actually a joke and what part of a joke is something's funny because that thing is funny. Um, and that's and that's kind of coming from me listening to conversations about gay panic. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, which particularly in the 90s was a whole thing about like, the joke would often be that character is gay or that character is doing something gay. And that was the joke and that was considered funny. But there's actually no joke in there. No. The, the, the only part of the joke is that, ha-ha, aren't gay people funny? Um, and so that's what I'm trying to pass out here is what part of the jokes in this show were actual jokes and what part of the joke seemed to be, aren't Jewish people funny? Right. Um, and that's, I think, and that's, it's a similar conversation to one we've just had, yeah. but it's also slightly more, it's, it's looking at it more from a, a joke writing context, yes, 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 um, yes. which I'm not good at. There's a reason <laughs> I never tried to write comedy because I fucking suck at jokes. Um, but like, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example from the show for uh, Fran sitting in her, in her dressing gown, eating whatever it is that she's eating on the table. Malamars. Um, Sorry, no, that's the first episode. No, that was what I'm thinking of. Were they Malamars? They're, they're used quite a bit in the show because they're her mum's comfort food and Fran brings it on to comfort food for the kids as well. Sure, sure. They didn't specify what they were, but I'm glad you know what they were. Um, I could be wrong. There's a lot of food in the show. <laughs> uh, there was just like a bunch of... They look kind of like cookies or... or yeah, no, brown cookies. Yeah, yeah, they were Malamars. Um, and, and she's upset because Maggie's gone off and is working late on a on a night. Yeah. And and there were parts of the scene actually there was a part of the scene that I found funny. Um and that was at the end when she guilt trips Cece and Cece's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Oh, yes. Um and then leaves <laughs> and Fran was like, "Huh." <laughs> works every time or whatever it is. It's like, I'm just going to die alone and just like raise yeah, our cats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that like... part I did find funny because I think the joke is subverting the idea of Fran being melodramatic. And being a victim. And being a, and, and, and kind of, yeah, we're well, turning it into, oh, it's, um, you know, actually she is quite upset. And, and then you subvert that by going, I was just playing a trick on her. That's the joke. Yeah. But the the, the rest of the scene is pretty much her... Sitting there going, uh, oh, you know, the, the laugh track is laughing at her just sitting there eating the Malamars, being oh, like, yeah. over dramatically depressed. Yeah. And I'm like, where's the joke here? Because what if a mum or like a parental figure is literally upset at their kid not being around anymore? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know what the joke is. What's the joke? She's, <laughs> she's sitting there eating Malamars, being really overly depressed. This is. I'm not talking about the context around, like, you know, what Maggie's out late, blah, 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 blah. The, the, the thing is, you enter in that scene on this image and there's a laugh track. I think... What it, why are we laughing at that image? What's funny about it? In that thing in particular, well, you've got the same sort of thing actually represented in Friends. Uh, like, if you cut to one of them just doing something, because an audience members have built up a relationship with these characters and they've become successful, you know, for so many mm. years, that the moment they're just almost doing anything is considered funny. Yeah, but why? 
Is it if you if you're doing something out of character? Yes. Because then you're like... But that's very much is... in character. Fran would be disappointed, exactly. sad and upset and, and then be eating Malamars. Yeah, but that's just part of her character. What's jokey about that? Where's the joke? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't laugh at those moments, but yes, the laugh track does go off. And you've got a representation, which is probably even worse, more late in the game with friends, cut to Joey and Ross falling asleep on each other. Mm. Oh, that's funny because it's two men on top of each other. Exactly. They wouldn't do that. Exactly. Um, that is that that joke is because of it's funny to put people in. It's funny situation. because, and I think what I'm finding here is like, oh, it's funny that she's, she's eating. She's eating when she's, she's alone. She's eating when she's upset. Yeah. I think I think that's what I'm looking at and going like, I don't find that okay mm. because. Eating when you're upset is genuinely not a good thing. Well, it's it's you know it could be a sign of disordered eating. The fact that your your food is so closely tied to your emotions. Oh It's yeah. also made even more complicated by the fact that uh, Fran is like the thinnest stick ever. I'm fairly so, certain that in the first season there are a few jokes that slipped by that I was surprised that probably actually surrounded her eating habits. Yeah. In high school, and I think she was larger and then got skinny. Yeah, which I mean, it's my least favorite storyline mm. because for starters, nobody who was ever larger comes to look like that. It's not. It's not. I'm not sure. Possible. I could be misremembering that. But um, but I mean, it's a, it's the same thing in Friends with Monica. Oh it's yeah, that whole yeah, thing. Yeah. I'm like, it's actually physical and physically impossible to make that transformation. It's not. It, you can't do it because no, yeah. the way that um, Courtney Cox looks is the, is the look of somebody who's never had an ounce of fat on her in her entire life. It's just impossible, and I'm, and it, it annoys me the because idea. Because this is kind of reinforcing. It's reinforcing the like, idea to that to be successful, to be happy, to be joyous in life, you need to be stick thin. Yeah, you have to look like fucking Courtney Cox, and that she was a failure before she finally, you know, got herself to look like this, and and now now everything's fine and it's great and don't worry about it. Um, but it's possible. A, it's possible to make yourself look like from that to that, which it's not possible, and stop trying to tell us that it is, and. That she's better now. It's so problematic. It really kills me. But I guess the this thing is, is why the world is the way that it is. <laughs> I this is why all women hate their bodies, and we all have eating disorders, and everybody's miserable. While you're on this tangent, <laughs> yes. did you want to throw some shade at Niles's representation? I do want to throw a little bit of shade at Niles's representation. For starters, I mostly find Niles to be the funniest character on the TV show. I agree. I think that he is by far the way that he delivers his dry wit yes. was the probably the closest things I had to oh, laughing yes. at the episode. But also the thing of like your style of humor. I, again, we've mentioned the fact that both of us very much struggle to write comedy. It's yeah. not an easy thing to do. Um, but the, the kind of comedy I imagine you writing is something that comes out of like it's that kind of tone. It's yeah. that kind of delivery. Totally. It's, it's not over the top and dramatic. It's no, off. It's, it's the, I mean... It's off the cuff. The joke that did work for me is, um, you know, I know that four years at Oxford certainly helped me, sir. Yes. You know, like, that was funny. And it's, it gets depressing when you see it later on in the seasons, when you see the, the flashback episodes. Yeah. Oh, my god! That, that he did not want to be a butler. He wanted to be a barrister or a solicitor. Barrister. It was barrister. Barrister. Um, British fancy lawyer. I mean, we have barristers here. Yeah, no, it's different, but... I don't know the difference. I have known the difference in the past. <laughs> I can't quite remember the difference now between an embarrasser and a solicitor. Um, but aside from that, Niles. Aside from that, Niles. So as a character, I find that there's a lot of great jokes there. And I like the fact that very few of his jokes are 
centered around his campness. Yes, that's true. And also there's there's this line in between of British fancy upper class mm. and also effeminate. Yes. But nonetheless, he is portrayed as pretty effeminate mm-hmm. and pretty quote unquote camp. But I guess that's also something that's going to probably happen in a role that's mostly considered female. What I guess a butler isn't considered Butler's female. Butler's not considered yeah. female. Yeah, he's, he's very much a butler. But the, I, I remember hearing or reading something about the, um, the stereotype of the butler and how in a lot of kind of 30s and 40s film, yes. the butler was um, both uh, portrayed as gay but also asexual. Yeah. Um, and so the idea that your, your butler would be very effeminate be very camp, be very... Witty sometimes. Witty, quote-unquote, gay stereotypes. Um, but not at all threatening if it was not at all sexual. No, exactly. So you keep it completely asexual so it's not threatening. And I feel like Niles falls very heavily into this camp, except when they do decide to sexualise him and they put him with a woman. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't like that. I'm like, if you're going to play with the stereotype, at least play with the stereotype and mm-hmm. let him be gay. What do you think about that? Or do you think that's more problematic because then you're buying into the stereotype a little bit more? There's points to be made for either side, really. To fully answer this question, I feel like I need to finish watching the show again. Okay. Um, but ultimately what I've been seeing is there's such a fun nature given towards, even though there may not be any of the key supporting characters be homosexual, they exist. They are around. Lot, I just, it makes me giggle when you say the word homosexual. Homosexual? Why? It's so formal. The thing is... Homosex- the homosexual. The thing is, it's just because I think some members of my family, when I first came out of the closet, struggled to say either gay or homosexual. Uh-huh. I always just like had this little moment before it because saying it was even a big deal. <laughs> um... But anyway, thank you for... I'm sorry. <laughs> that's I, I right. You do it all the time. It makes I, me giggle this, every time. My head moves as well when I do it. Homosexual. It's this moment where I just take, I take half a breath and then go, okay, <laughs> down with the head. Um, but no, it's, it's, and it's very uh, friendly in terms of jokes are made all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's, they're, they're sexual jokes also as well. Subtle sexual jokes that I don't think children would have gotten. But um, there's a very positive representation of different types of people in the show while they're not the key characters. Mm-hmm. So it's it's odd for me to consider that, but I do think that uh, it would have been a, maybe a higher-up network decision or something else like that in terms of maybe people started getting gay panic or vibes around him and wanted to make him seem less threatening and then put him with a woman. So given, like, you know, with when shows go on for a long period of time, mm-hmm. especially when they're award-winning shows, sometimes they can be under a lot of critique. Uh, and we all know the 90s was a very problematic time for this kind yeah, of representation. Totally. So I'm not sure with how it all goes about and how it feels about it. I never knew or suspected or felt anything on that regard. Watching it now, yes, I do see it being evident but you know back when I was watching it I wasn't exposed to anything like that so I didn't draw the conclusion in the first place because all I knew for camp was the asexual character I didn't even realize that they were gay because uh, that kind of uh, representation was almost completely devoid of anything I watched so the character may have been that kind of representation but because I didn't know any better I just considered them that type of character and they were either single at the end or they got with a woman yeah right I mean, I feel feel similarly. I mean, I can't remember 
what my understanding or thoughts were of um, of gay or people on the LGBTQIA spectrum as a child. No, yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely can't recall. Um, but also I really love it that in when I'm exposed to children these days and things like that, it's just also not on their minds. Yeah, totally. They're not taught, they have to be taught prejudice. Yeah, totally. Well, I think that's the thing. I, I, it wasn't on my mind. Um, I do remember, I think I may have talked about this on the pod before, but um, I think I do remember the my first character who I discovered was gay and I genuinely remember that my first thought when I found that out was actually disappointment. Yeah. And I'm and I'm disappointed at myself now that that was my feeling. Yeah, but how old were you? Ten. Yeah. Um, I was ten and it was my favourite character. So it was Willow from Buffy. Yeah. And I didn't watch the progression happen. I was told over the phone because I wasn't watching Buffy at the time. Oh, I didn't realise that's right. My sister was telling me about what was happening on Buffy at the time because I wasn't able to watch it anymore because she wasn't there to tape it for me anyway. <laughs> um, so I I didn't know. She just told me Willow's gay now. And I think part of that was a little bit of um, me as a 10-year-old who had very strongly related to Willow up until that point. Oh, yes, like, Very yes, strongly. Yes. She was always the character that I loved the most. And... And I like to think that part of my disappointment there was, um, well, I don't know if I can still relate to her, mm. if that's the case. I think that's mostly where the drive came from. I, ho- I hope so. Um, I hope that it wasn't um, any kind of uh, internalised homophobia. But there's also the fact that I was never exposed to gay people growing up. So mm. it, it felt weird to me. Um, the and, idea that that might be the case, and in that time, in that time of the world, I mean, that's so gay as a derogatory sense in terms totally. of like the way that people were represented in Australian culture. You know, mm. that's that's something that, without even realizing it, if you just grow up in that proximity without better education, yeah, um, or better exposure, it's automatically the first thought is not necessarily disgust, just a strong term, but mm. repulsion. <laughs> Again, yeah. also a strong also term. A strong word, but, um, <laughs> but no, because it's not considered normal. Yeah, that's it. It's just that it wasn't considered normal. And that's something that we all have to contend with. And most of the, the most of the way to contend with that is simply exposure. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'm still amazed how often it happens when I meet someone. Hmm. I'm like, you're the first gay person I've met. And I'm like, really? How? I mean, oh it seems bizarre to me. But, but, I mean, you, you have to think about the number of people who are actually gay who we knew growing up. Exactly. I've um, got very little. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, it's quite funny now that if I think about the number of people from my graduating class who have come out as gay... But you did that weren't out there. they were not yeah. out then at all. Um, it's kind of hilarious. It's sort of the number grows by the day. Oh, yeah. Um, the whole, like, one in ten thing. I was like, I'm like one in 200. And I'm like, actually, let's redo that maths now. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if I Seriously, if I look at my graduating class, it's staggering. And great. Yeah. But also, like... <laughs> well, no, also, like, we, you know, we come from regional areas. Totally. And so there's a level of unsafety there. There's also a level of constant self-discovery and exposure. Yeah. Um, but I'm, again, that's one of the things that's good about having exposure of this kind of thing on something like the nanny. Yeah. Because that, that he wasn't gay. That it wasn't there. Yeah. And that it wasn't there in any of the lead characters. Well, yeah. And that, and that again, brings me back to the, the thing that I find confusing and troubling, which is... Um, what does it say to allow an effeminate character but not allow that effeminate character to be gay? So, actually, from the first season, he was seen sexual with a woman. 
Yeah, totally. I'm not saying that that's not the case. Oh no, I'm just I'm just recalling back into my brain in terms yeah. of like how the character was actually set up and I, how it would have progressed as the show went on. I think you can totally tell that they never intended to make him gay, no. but they did intend to play with the effeminate butler stereotype. Oh yes, yes, they were definitely having him play in that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, and there's again, a level of identification in that role, even though it is asexual and not even clarified or represented. Mm, mm. And, and I mean, if, if this were the kind of show that had developed a, a fandom, I'm sure that the um, Niles slash fan fiction would have been... <laughs> off the charts. Off the charts. <laughs> the Mr. Um, Sheffield the and Niles. The Mr. Sheffield Niles <laughs> fan yes. fiction um, would have been the most popular fan, uh, ship. So the reason why I'm thinking of the first time that Cece and Niles got together is because Cece thought she was getting into Niles' room. She was, oh, she, she was thought she was getting to Mr. Sheffield's room. Uh-huh. And then she ended up getting to Niles' room and the night was off and then something happens. Now immediately my head is just going to like the, the Niles Maxwell Sheffield fan fiction of going to the wrong room in darkness because there's the moments because you've got these two scenes of pitch darkness and you've just got the two female voices who are very evidently different. Mm-hmm. Cece Babcop's way of talking and Fran Fine's way of talking. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm amazed at how much the fandom experience and, like, just an audience base has changed so much over the past 20 years. I mean, this was never the kind of show that even now would develop a strong fandom. It would still have one. I don't think I don't think it would develop a quote unquote fandom. Yeah. And I don't know. And I'm not speaking in any kind of professional context here. But the way I consider fandom is um, a, a strong internet presence of people who um, consider the show outside of its general context. So you know whether or not they choose to think about it through gift sets or through yep. fan fiction yep. or through. Um, meta commentary or whatever it may be. Conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories, any of that kind of thing. That's kind of what I consider fandom to be. And it's usually online. It doesn't have to be. Um, I know that the early fandoms of things like Star Trek all happened through like... Conventions. Conventions, subscription magazines were a huge thing. Um, And and so I I think about sitcoms now, and I know that they, they aren't developing a lot of new sitcoms, but I did start recently watching one with... Nina Dobrev in it. I can't remember what it's called. It's called like Fam or something. Um, I watched a couple episodes. Who's Nina Dobrev? Uh, Elena from the Vampire Diaries. Oh. As far as I can tell, that doesn't have a fandom. Okay. Um, because it's a very brief sitcom. It doesn't necessarily inspire deeper thought. Um, it's not trying to be anything more serious than it is. Mm. Um, or to say anything more serious, it's just a fun show. I mean, because in the, even in the first episode, this was not too long after Donald Trump and Ivanka Trump separated. Sure. And so they were making jokes about Ivanka Trump, and and they were making other like I'm sure it was political. Topical. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. But it's that it's doesn't. Not, it's not saying something grander about. No, no. Yeah. Whereas I think something like Shit's Creek. Um, which has a which does have an internet fandom. I still really struggle to get into that show. I can't watch that show. I've I tried. want to. Everyone, this there is a pretty decent fandom. There's around a great that. fandom around that, and a lot of people really love it. I personally haven't been able to get into it because I can't get around these really um, entitled, privileged, privileged entitled people. people. Um, and I know that that again, I know that that's the joke. The joke is that they are so entitled and so privileged that they can't see anything else around them. I get it. I don't find it funny. Again, yeah. because that's just the joke. What, Like, what is it? Green Acres or whatever? 
the 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 classic um um it, I, I think it was a sitcom as well, but very old, very old. Um, is that the one where the like city people come? Yes, back who to... go to the country for the yeah. first time and his husband and wife and you know sh- you know. I do vaguely recall yes, that. Yes. Oh, and I actually I think Kristen Chenoweth sung that opening theme song with Donald Trump to one uh, Tony Awards performance, and she was just absolutely mortified after it. Anyway, uh, this is this is random bits of information that is not relevant at all. Um, but, you know, it's in terms of, like, that's a trope that's been done again and again and again and again in terms of rich people in a, you know, in a rural town. How funny. Yeah, exactly. Like, that. that's it. Yeah. That's the entire thing. But also, thing. I do know, like, I see a gift set occasionally of Shit's Creek that I look at and I go, that looks funny. Oh, yeah, that joke. That looks <laughs> like, great. There are fun jokes in there. I just haven't been able to watch it. But the point is, that's a show that is very specifically about classism and trying to make a broader statement yeah and i think that that's what engenders fandom um that's a nice amount of faith in the internet fan base jane yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's just not something that i think of it's not about faith it's just about the idea that if if a show keeps you thinking afterward you want to think about that with somebody else and i don't necessarily mean it has to be thinking the most deep oh no yeah thing because ever. it could also be as simple as shipping exactly because shipping can it often i mean let's just look at team edward team jacob whatever else from wow, twilight wow you really took that back to like <laughs> well i'm just thinking in terms of like when shipping became part of the mainstream off the internet in terms of like merchandise and things like that that yeah. just went off the rails cuz i think that the if this was to exist i don't know why we keep coming back to this but if this was to exist in today's day and age i think the the biggest shipping probably would have actually been between niles and cc because of people who like when those or when have exposure to those kinds of characters where they're nasty to each other, but that's actually coming from a place of I probably am attracted to you in some way that I can't yeah, properly maybe. digest. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't talked about much about these as holiday episodes. So no, let's just we try haven't. and get into that a little bit before we wrap everything up. Um so Passover. Yes. Um, I don't know a lot about Passover. It happens around Easter time, I yes, believe. Yes. Is it is it rooted in the same story at all? Not at all. Okay. Right. Because Jews They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. <laughs> yeah. That's not a thing. Sorry. That's silly of me. I, I'm I'm very I'm very ignorant. Um of um, course. Passover is is more in relation to um, Moses. Of course. Yeah. Yep. Um, in terms of uh, the um, one of the worst plagues, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, getting the blood of the lamb and mm-hmm. uh, pushing it over your door yep. for the Jewish slaves, and so that the spirit of uh, death, I believe, is the proper title, would pass over oh, um, of all of the houses and things. That's the bit in the Prince of Egypt. That is the yes, yes, yes. It is. Yeah. I'm so the black sorry. Bit. Is this, this is probably really offensive. That's what I know about um, the story of Moses. Um, it's a great soundtrack. Hans it's a, Zimmerman. I mean, I think it's a great film. It is. It's quality. <laughs> Highly underrated. Um, I constantly listen to the soundtrack. I probably say at least three times a month. I genuinely think <laughs> really? it's fantastic. It is. The music is good. Oh, the is. story is good. I just don't think about listening to it very often. Every once in a while, there's a very religious song that come on there in terms of when Moses finds God, and it's just like I'm like, okay, I'll just listen to this song like a song. Yeah. Um, but no, seriously, go out and watch Prince of Egypt. Great film. It's a pretty great film. Great film. Um, yeah, no, and um, so uh, that means that your first one son wouldn't die. Yes, of course. Yeah. And then so that's celebrated in a more, uh, a more cheery manner these days. 
I mean, as with most holidays based in a religion. Um, um, and you'd actually see uh, a common thing in terms of um, houses with uh, certain blessings related to mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff is stem off and gone into actual modern day architecture. When I say modern day architecture, I guess it'd be more just kind of maybe the area that I live in, but they actually have little like silver things for Jewish tradition, like kissing on the door and these little scroll metal things. And I always thought it was where you put your mail that was unread, but no, it's just, a, it's an actual Jewish um, uh, tradition blessing. Great. Anyway, that's, that's, that's a very butchered um, uh, rough go at explaining to you what Passover is, mm-hmm. which wasn't, again, much to do about this episode at all. Yeah. It was just more along the lines of, oh, this is, we're just Jewish people and this is what we celebrate. Let's have family over for dinner. Yeah, it was, I think, I think what I would like to have seen a little bit more in this episode, which they do do in the Hanukkah episode. Yes, they do. Is, is tie the, the holiday to the plot. Yes. Um, and I feel like there wasn't a lot of tying the holiday to the plot other than will Maggie come over for Passover dinner? It, no, it was, but that's what I kind of like about these, these things sometimes when it's not all about it. But then I guess if you, if you have prior knowledge to what that holiday is actually about, then that can be an enjoyable episode. Yeah. Um, but if you don't actually know what the holiday is about or how it's represented or how it's celebrated in different family members and it's just kind of on the edge of it, it kind of feels like underrepresentation of that holiday. I actually don't even know that it's got much to do with the representation. For me, I think about it from a storytelling perspective. Because you don't why want include... a B plot line to not be matching well, up Yeah, why include line? a thematic element that isn't going to tie thematically to the plot? Um, and that's just, that's just purely me thinking of it that way mm. um you know you you wouldn't you wouldn't have something said at a particular time of year unless it needed to be said at that particular time of year mm. um and i i think that you're right there is two ways to look at it if you look at it from it a, was set during that particular time of year when it was actually released i'm sure it was yeah. but at the same time what did that have to do with the plot yes um and i think that there's two ways to think about it like like you said in it's good to just have these holidays represented as just everyday things that happen in life. That they're normal. That they're very normal, um, that, that your life happens around it. Um, I think from a representation level, um, I actually think that's fine. But for me, from a storytelling level, I just really wanted them wanted it to be connected in some way mm. to any of the themes behind Passover. Um, but the only thing for me with that is that it's almost a weakness for me in the next episode because I think it's almost too heavily done. Well, I mean, it's... It's very heavily heavy handed. <laughs> yes. I, I will give you that. It's extremely heavy handed. The idea that the car ran for eight hours, just like the way that the oil burns for eight days. When it was only meant to last for one when hour. When it was only meant to last for one hour, just like the oil was only meant to last for one, one day. Yeah. Um I mean, I don't love the whole miracly aspect of it. Oh well I think that's that's just that's yeah, but this is also the kind of show that actually does make you try and believe that Santa exists. Totally. I like, mean, this is a show that's still pandering to younger, quite younger children. This is why I generally don't like... Miracles happening? I don't like Christmas episodes very often. Because they always end up with an element of magic that's completely not even related to that universe totally. at all. And if it's... that was actually evident, that wouldn't be working with how the characters exist. Yeah, it's always some kind of Christmas miracle, feel-good, meaning of Christmas, blah blah nonsense. All the families together. All the family together. I don't, I don't really like that, particularly when it's used out of context one of the only best holiday episodes that i like is the whole is the christmas episode of um haven because <laughs> oh yeah we were always going to give you that well, you? i was going to give you that before we decided to do these two lighter comedy shows um and steer away from christmas i was going to give you that one a because i don't think it actually is christmas 
um, in the Christmas episode. I think it's like... Around Christmas time? No, no. I think it's like, um, it's something to do with one of the troubles. Is that what they were called? One of the troubles creates a Christmas feel in town. Oh, okay. Interesting. um, When it's not Christmas. Um, And also, it's really fucking devastating. Like, it's really sad in the end. I think some, I think the main character, not the main character of the show, but the main kind of um, character that we were introduced, introduced to, to in, in, this episode. in the episode, I think they die in the end. Um, I could be wrong. I can't remember 100%. But I do remember thinking that that was a different kind of Christmas-themed episode that I kind of liked um, because it was in keeping with the show. That yeah. was the point of the show is yeah. that it's all about what you do with these um, troubles, which usually have something to do with your personality um, and how you deal with that and all that kind of thing. So in that way, that's that's what I like about a Christmas show is when it actually has something to do with the show. I mean, like, there's also a whole other, like, side of this which isn't well represented in, I guess, the TV shows as much. I mean, maybe a little bit in The Flash and potentially Supergirl. Um, but in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Santa is actually considered a mutant. Of course. Of course <laughs> And granted, this was more along the lines of it worked really well for Christmas-themed comic episodes that had a bunch of people come into it, Santa Claus is actually considered to be like a level four mutant in terms of skill and, and ability. And what is Santa Claus's uh, mutant power? Oh, look, I don't have that up right in front of me right oh, now. how disappointing. I'm um, so sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, but no, yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying from in terms of the fact that if you're going to shoehorn in a Christmas holiday themed character mm. or experience... Mm have it actually have that magical aspect actually exist within the realms of your universe. Yeah. If it doesn't have magic in that universe, then there shouldn't be magic in that universe. Yeah. That is a false ideal that you're perpetuating for children, which is, look, ultimately probably fine. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I feel like the idea of continuing to perpetuate the specialness of Christmas over other holidays, over other and, holidays, yeah. and also just like with pure fantasy um, yeah. aspect being the core of it. I mean, it, it always it, it comes down to what you believe Christmas is about, and I understand that you know, actually, Christmas is supposed to be about Jesus, um, but for me. Christmas doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it hasn't meant that for a long time. Totally. For me, Christmas is I get to see my family usually for the first time all year. Yep. All in one place. And that is, or at least some of my family, I try and spend it with whatever, whatever part of my family I haven't seen. Or I go visit a friend that I haven't seen mm, in a long mm, time. Mm. It's and a yes, time. it's also about food. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you know what's nice is that as you get older, the emphasis on the food, on the gifts, on the just spending time with each other you realise the different levels of importance of what actually Christmas means to you as you get older, as I think, as those beliefs of yours either mature, dwindle, or burn a flame. Burn a flame? Get stronger. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. In terms of just, like, what Christmas actually does mean to you. Yeah, totally. Um, so, I can't remember where I was going with this. What Christmas means um, to you. But that, that, for me, is, like, if your show is about family, then your Christmas episode or your holiday episode should be about family. Mm. And so I feel like in this particular, in the Hanukkah episode, I do feel like they thematically tied in the idea of for Fran, Hanukkah means, and particularly this Hanukkah means, her first time with her new family. She wanted everybody together. And, you know, Max, Mr. Sheffield. I can't call him Maxwell. It's weird. It is weird. It's either Max or Mr. Sheffield. Yeah. Um, 
he didn't understand that and he left. And so the whole point of the episode is bringing everybody back together. Now, the fact that they had to do that through a miracle, again, not my fave thing. Um, <laughs> but within this world, I've, I've, it didn't feel like it didn't fit. Even no, though, again, actually. I haven't seen a lot of The Nanny. But I mean, like, The Nanny is a world where... Fran Fine was able to defuse a hostage situation by ordering him a better kind of subway footlong across the road and talking to him about his relationship with his mother. You know, yeah. so this is a world where it's things... It's a hyper-realistic world. I wouldn't say hyper, definitely heightened. Maybe hyper? Maybe hyper. Uh, probably hyper. Yeah. Um, in, in so, not every episode. No, no, yes, yes, But yes. It, the, it's a world where hyper-realistic things can happen. And the elements of coincidence and happenstance are much more likely mm. in this universe. Mm. Um, but what I did also like about it was the coming together of different faiths as well. It wasn't necessarily, oh, you know, we're all breaking bread over the table and with, with the Jew, the rabbi, the nun and the priest or whatever else. But it was just nice for a moment. It's like, I, you know, I don't, it's not going to work for me, sister, you mm. know? But it's just like, no, why don't we just sit here and pray together? Yes, yeah, I hated that part. Why? Is because, it because it, that's not something you think they would do? No, it's because, again, you're shoehorning Christianity where it doesn't belong. This wasn't about oh. Christianity. This was about her Jewish faith. Yeah. And instead you're like, but if there's a sister there and she prays with the sister with the Christian Oh, faith, I don't think either of those two made the miracle happen at all. No, no, but it's, it's still about, like... Adding in a uh, very white yeah. oh. presence into the into um, their kind of represent the, into their oh, and their episode because yeah. Christmas gets there plenty of their own episodes exactly. in the nanny. Exactly. Why? Why did we have to have that bit with the sister? I didn't understand what the purpose of that was. Yeah. What? What did? What was it about? I guess maybe it was trying to be an audience viewpoint perspective of someone who was not as who wasn't able to understand Jewish faith as much as the. But there wasn't uh, really about because that. yeah because I mean otherwise you've got Maxwell who's yeah you know, all missed an audience viewpoint for anyone who's not un- really understanding or the any of the other characters like the, <laughs> any of the kids like yeah. um, CC even you know I don't know I just felt like it just seemed like a really like random shoehorn Christianity aren't nuns good type thing I just didn't know what it was trying to achieve and it kind of bugged me fair um. I just I, like seeing I, I like people get you, along, I suppose. Yeah, I like that you saw it as kind of a harmony type thing. Um, but... Uh, I'm not that... I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Again, maybe it's just looking at it from a very 2019 perspective where I'm like, we are not at that harmonious place Oh, right no, we're now. not. No, we're and not. And I feel like trying to pretend that we are is kind of damaging. But that's the thing. I mean, like, when we were at that when this came out, do you think that it was more of a feeling that we were at that harmonious stage or that people were just more ignorant about the fact that maybe we were more harmonious together? I think I think we were, and this is, again, I wasn't, uh, I was very young <laughs> in 1998. Yeah, let's let's just test episode, the political climate of our religions against each other in the 1990s, shall we? If I, if I had to guess what <laughs> things were like back then, I would say we were harmonious in inverted quotes in that we were all in our separate yeah, corners yeah, and we just were all just same. like not really dealing with one another and and that's where this kind of lack of visibility comes in was did this involve in my own little corner in my own little chair or is that done in that i think that was done in a different episode that was not in i've just watched so much the nanny in this no. yeah because that's uh fran fine actually singing like a little bit of the brandy musical of cinderella yeah 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 <laughs> 
Um, I, you know that Brandy, the that, that that song was from Brandy before the Cinderella movie. No, that song was from Cinderella before the Brandy movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was. It's from the Cinderella musical. Oh, yeah, which yeah. Which existed before Brandy. And did also it. Julie Andrews actually was in the telemovie of that role from Correct. The Sound of Music, which the entire musical was based off. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I can't remember what I was saying. Oh, yeah. So I'd say that um, I'd say that the fact that things were less visible, there was less representation, um, is probably where we were at. And so the idea that when you do have your Jewish representation, you also felt the need to include yeah. the Christian representation um, just to, like, I don't know, even things out. I'm like, no, 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 no. We do not need to even things out here. The fact that this show exists is already evening things out. You don't need to include the Christian element. You already have the Christian element. There's a Christmas tree in the house. Like, come True. on. Like, we don't, we didn't need it. It kind of bugged me. Um, and I didn't see what it added to the episode. Yeah, I, I can definitely see it through more of that. Um, less thinly veiled here's also the rest of your belief right here in case you just yeah. in case you weren't okay with this jewish representation yeah here's yours. yeah and aren't they nice too okay bye yeah i don't know um doesn't seem right i'm to trying me. to look at things you're looking at things with a much more positive spin and yeah as always i appreciate that i think i do it a little bit more at this time of year yeah, right. Maybe just a tad. Like, the Christmas spirit gets into me in a certain way. Mm. And, of course, I don't mean that literally. You don't need to exercise me, Jane. Um, like it's, I would. It's, uh, I guess that's counterintuitive, isn't it? <laughs> Exorcism <laughs> requires some form, again, of faith or belief. Um, um, but um, I might institutionalize you. <laughs> I... Um, I, I really enjoy, you know, as we said earlier, for, for us, this time of year means that we get to spend time with our family or the people we consider our family. Yeah. Um, and really get to try and touch base with those kind of roots of people that were there for us and, you know, want many different times of our lives and we want to be there for them and celebrate that. Mm-hmm. And it's a really nice thing to do. Um, and so I guess that I know that everyone around me is, while might be stressed like I am, I mean, Christmas present list, haven't even thought about that yet, but I need to start soon, <laughs> um, that... Everyone else is still going through that same kind of stress and anxiety of like, oh, it's Christmas time, damn it. How many time, How many nights have we got to book in this place on the flights? But then also you're all going through that effort, that stress, that anxiety, that expenses to just spend time with your family and be yeah. around your friends and the people you care about. And so that just puts me in a much more like trying to be positive mood. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's definitely been rubbing off on me a little bit. And that's fine. And and I totally get that. I try to be a little bit more understanding around holiday time because I do understand that those stresses are very real. Ooh. Um, um, it's often where rates of, of depression and yeah. suicide can increase. Totally. It's, it's a, can be a really, really tough time for a lot of people, particularly people who don't feel comfortable at home, who don't want to see their family and then feel alone. There's all kinds of things around that. Um, and I get that way in my life, but I can't get that, right w- that way with my media. Fair, fair, <laughs> fair. But that being said, for anyone who doesn't have a family that they either get along with or can spend time with this year, uh, people having their Christmas with their friends and mm-hmm. having a champagne breakfast in the morning or doing whatever, whatever holiday it may be, whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah or anything. It's just, an, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to that time. There's, there's one or two days before I get really stressed and want to leave my family for another six months. So ultimately, how would you rate this episode? Oh, I didn't think we were going to do ratings. Did we just? Actually, you know what? Let's, let's rank, let's rank it this way. How much um, holiday spirit would you say these two episodes had? <laughs> and I'm rating. Both of them. Both. Of them. Okay. Okay. Where, where would you rate this on? 
Um, let's say candles. zero is like a non a non holiday related episode, and ten is like the most religious, um, strictly like holiday. I'd probably put this specials. at about a six. Uh huh. With Hanukkah, thinking about it, and the extra shoehorn in of the Christianity as well, the nun. Catholicism, I suppose. That's not... Mm. Okay, and is that aggregated over the two episodes? Because I think if you aggregate over the two episodes... It's more like a four or five. It's more like a five, yeah, because that first one not being not particularly holiday The second one's pretty holiday though. Yeah, it is. I would say the second one's probably an eight. The first one's probably a four. I'm going with the I'd six. I'd aggregate it with a six. Yeah. 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 I think that's, I think that's a good, good rating. Yeah. Great. Uh, what's been in your eye this week, Kurt? Uh, what's uh, been in my eye is uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, yeah. I'm watching the final episodes of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend oh, season four. That's sad. <sighs> like, sad that it's finishing. Yeah. Have you caught up and gotten... Absolutely no? not. Oh, okay. No. Well, because it's all on Netflix now. I know. Um, but there's so much to watch. I know. I, as you know, I go through phases with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. I'll watch a lot and then I won't watch any for months and... Part of part of me is always really reluctant to go back in and watch Crazy Ex Girlfriend. I think because it's so, it makes me cringe so much. Because um, I'm always just like, Rebecca, honey. Stop, oh yeah, yeah. Please well, just she's, stop. She's she's grown the most for the final season. She I know. Really has. She I know. makes some really good decisions for herself. This I know. Season. It's just it's it's still hard for me yeah, I, to I watch. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. It's like. Shh, baby, come here. Let me give you a hug and just tell you to stop, please. Um, so I've got um, two episodes. Actually, by the time watching this is out, maybe only one. I might, I might finish the show, uh, but there's uh, there's only a couple episodes for me left to watch because I watch it each week with my mate, um, uh, who's uh, not on this podcast. My other mate. I have more than two friends. I assume that. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, when we were going to watch it the last time round, it was around Halloween time, and I realized she hadn't seen Hocus Pocus, so we had to watch Hocus Pocus. But that means we also got to squeeze in another episode of Crazy Ex Girlfriend. I'm so close to finishing it, and I just really love that show and it's really sweet that something like that is on the air Cute. for me yeah. yeah lovely Speaking um, of Jewish representation, yes, absolutely. Good point. <laughs> when I when I put on, um, we have suffered, or where's the bathroom? Uh, I've got a number of, of friends who have have Jewish mums or have been exposed to that kind of thing and just lose their mind. See, I feel like that's a show that does pretty well. Yeah, right. towing that line between having, having a, a giggle at. at the true factors, but also being quite respectful. The sweet and the bitter, remember that we suffered. Streisand and Hitler. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> See, that show pushes its... It pushes it, it, pushes it, it. but I also think it's... It does it, it with a lot of care. It does a lot of care and a yeah. lot of respect. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. Mine is that uh, some of my shows are back. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. Legacies. Legacies is back. That's what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> um, yes, yes. Legacies is back. Uh, season two. I don't know. I'm just happy that it's back. It's kind of, it is. Um, just as fun as it was before. It's it's starting off the season on a sadder note, on a more emotional note, I should say. Was it as a result of the way that the previous season yes. finished? Yes, yeah. as a result of the way the previous fin- the previous season finished, the start back of the next season is a little more emotional and it's pulling up my heartstrings, mm. but it's also very good and I'm looking forward to seeing how it continues to develop. It's gone in a slightly different direction to what I thought. I thought they were going to like keep the secret for a long time, but instead at the end of the second episode, it's just like, bam, somebody knows about the secret. And I was like, oh, okay. 
I wasn't expecting that, but okay, that's fine. I like it when shows like that don't hold on to a secret longer than they need to. I want I kind of wanted the secret to go on a little bit longer. Really? Why do you like that? Why why in, would you like that? In this particular circumstance. Okay. Um it's because um, I like seeing me. my characters be really upset for long periods of time. Hey, hey. I, if I could enjoy people failing and trying and trying and trying again, you can enjoy that. Yeah, it's just it's just like... It, I don't of, get it, but you can enjoy it. No, it's kind of like I, I enjoyed the idea that this person would be struggling on their own without oh, okay. anybody to share their secret with. To really strengthen their own character, I suppose. To strengthen their own character or to or to see them realise that they did need the other people. Um, but instead they came to that realisation quite early, which is good for the character. But also I was like, oh, I kind of wanted to see you struggle a little more on your own first. But that's okay. I just wanted, the, I wanted it to be earned a little bit more dramatically. But also it is earned dramatically when you consider the first season. So it's fine. Okay. Um, that's as much as I can say vaguely without telling you anymore because I'm still determined to make you watched that show yes you are um, um <laughs> wonderfully non spoilly said thank you yes. thank you um when you eventually get around to watching it you will and you get to the end of the first season you'll be like huh i wonder what this all means and you'll probably figure it out quite quickly by then yes all right. Well, I guess that's about it. Um, please remember you can um, follow us uh, on anything for social media in terms of Ooh, Instagram. Actually, um, mm. we're only doing Instagram now. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've cut out the Twitter and the Facebook. If you object to that, you should come tell us that on Twitter or Facebook. And then I will know that some of you are engaging in that way and I will... Uh, reintroduce those two formats, particularly Twitter. Nobody's looking at us on Facebook. Um, but if you wanted, if you actually want us back on Twitter, let me know. I'm happy to go back on. But as far as I know, nobody was really engaging on that platform. So it's all Instagram at the at, moment. With the username handle at MajorLookPod. At MajorLookPod. <laughs> please feel free to rate, review, or please suggest anything else for our podcast in mm -hmm. terms of um, other TV shows that you think you would he love to hear us talk about. Because mm -hmm. uh, coming into the new year, we'll definitely be needing to fill up our catalogue. Totally. And you can, you can do that in any way that you find easier, particularly if you like to email us, uh, jackarandamedia at outlook.com. Uh, we could read out your emails on the pod if you like, or you could just email us privately and have a private conversation. That's fine too. Um, also, don't forget you can head over to uh, Pop DNA and listen to the episode that I recorded with the gals over there yes. and with Kristen from Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. Um, Two other a, people from That's Not Canon Productions. That's right. Um, that was a really, really, really great episode that I recorded with those guys. I had so much fun. I have to build up the... Um, the bravery to listen back to it because um, <laughs> I don't normally have to listen back to our episodes except when I'm editing and then I'm thinking about them very critically. Whereas with this one, I can't edit out anything that I said. So <laughs> I'm a little bit frightened about how it's going to come out. So have a listen to that. Tell me how it went. Um, <laughs> but that was really fun. So please head over and listen to that. Other than that, have a great week. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Just have a listen to how we both sound. I'm not too sure what accent I was going for there, to be honest. Um, something. It was mostly in the eyes, I think. Um, yeah, okay. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.